after we got off work, uh, probably at 4.30, I think, we were working nine hours a day. We, uh, I came home and uh, to get my fishing gear, and we wouldn't go out in a boat because uh, we were going to the banks of the river and fish from the banks for speckled trout and redfish. So we tried, we uh, yeah, got up eight, and we got to the river and tried several spots, and it had become dark by that time. We do quite a bit of uh, uh, fishing after dark, you know, down here over that time of the year. So I don't know what attracted my attention where I had reached around and get more bait, which was sitting behind us, or uh, I heard some kind of zipping-like sound, like uh, air of a steam or something escaping from a pipe. And as I turned around, I saw some uh, two blue flashing lights, or either pulsating lights, I'm not sure. And it seemed like um, it, it was some type of craft, and it seemed like it was almost down to the ground then. In fact, it, was, it seemed to be about a, a, a couple of feet, you know, above the ground. It just hovered there. So Calvin had turned by this time, and, and uh, he was looking at it, too. And really, I didn't know what to do. It just, it just, I was just spellbound there for a few minutes, just, and um, and then almost immediately, some type of opening appeared in the the end that was Taurus, which what I assumed to be the front end. And the the light that had come outside, which is it was real, real bright light. And three things appeared in the doorway uh, of the craft, and they seemed to just glide out out of the craft. They never touched the ground. They seemed to just glide across. It must have been twenty-five or thirty feet from us, or, or maybe a little further than that, and they they came to us, just glided over to us, and, and uh, two of them took me by the arms from the side, and one took hold of Calvin, and, and um, I seen Calvin go limp, and I didn't know it then, but he had fainted, so they, uh, they carried me inside the craft, and and the light was almost blinding inside. In fact, for about three or four days, I had something like a bad welding flash in my eyes. And I can't, I can't recall or I can't remember just what was on the inside, simply because the light was so bright that I just couldn't, couldn't make out what it was. But I didn't see any tables or chairs, and the room seemed to be round. Of course, that could have been because the light seemed to be glowing from the walls and the overhead and the ceiling. But they carried me, what, I guess, about middle of the room, and we would just seem to be suspended there. I, I, I couldn't move. I didn't have any feelings, no sensation of, of, uh, of any feel. And it seemed to, something like a big eye. I keep referring to it as an eye because it was about size of a small baseball. In the end, it was focused toward me. It was a different color or a different light. And it seemed to come directly out from the wall, and it came within six or eight inches of my face. And... And uh, it, it remained there for a, a few minutes, and then it, very few minutes, and then it uh, went over my entire body. I, I'm assuming it did, because when it went down like this, I seemed to be suspended there. And the next time I seen it, it was coming back up over this way. So I assumed that it went over my entire body. But it came back in front of my face and stayed there for a few more minutes, and then it seemed to just go right back into the wall. And these things, it, 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 the way they were holding me, I was elevated because they, they weren't as tall as me and they were upright and I was elevated like this and I could see, I could move my eyes on the thing I could move and I could see that they had released me and I don't know where they went, whether they went outside the craft or, or another uh, room or compartment, but they didn't come in front of me and they left me that way for, for a few minutes, I don't know how long 
And then after a while, they, uh, I, I seen them then when they come back to the side of me and took hold of me again. And they carried me back outside the craft. And, and we were still just gliding. I, I wasn't touching anything that I know of. And they seemed to just glide back out to where they had taken me from and put me back down on the ground. Well, when they did, I, I fell because my legs were weak and they gave away on me. And it was this time that I seen Calvin again. He was standing there. He was standing facing the river with his arms outstretched, and he was almost in shock. Uh, he seemed to appear to me at that time he was that something was wrong with him. But so uh, I was trying to to get to make my way toward him, and, and uh, I was crawling. I couldn't get my legs to working. But before I got to him, they, I, the strength of what it was came back to my legs, and I was getting up on my feet, and I heard the, the, the same sound I'd heard before, a zipping sound. And I glanced around, and I saw the blue flashing lights, and, and it was the crack was just gone, just, just almost instantly. And I, 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 got to, I made it to Calvin, and I shook him and, and was calling to him, and it took me several minutes to get him where I could even even talk to him, you know, with any, any sense, and... And he was going in shock. And these things that um, that came out of the craft, they were about five or five foot four inches tall. And they didn't have a neck. Uh, the, the head seemed to come directly to the shoulders. And they had something that resembled a nose on a, on a face. And, and uh, about where ears would be was something that was uh, similar to the nose, only it was a little longer. They seemed to come out almost to a point. And under the nose, there was something like a slit for a mouth, and, and uh, it was very wrinkled, and it, it, seemed, it appeared to me to be something like an elephant skin, but I don't know where it was a, a metal or what it was, but it seemed to be very wrinkled with the wrinkles running horizontal, and in the area where the eyes should have been, uh, it was so wrinkled that, that I'm not even sure there was eyes. I, don't, I can't recall whether there was any eyes or not, and Calvin says he came. But um, anyway, after I I, brought, I got Calvin where I could talk to him. We didn't know what to do, and, and uh, we were almost scared to death. And we we first decided we wouldn't tell anyone, but the more we talked about it, the more we realized that we had to tell somebody. It was the military authorities, if nobody else. So we called Keesler Air Force Base, which is only about, it blocks you about 30 miles south of here. And I talked to someone there, and they told me that the Air Force didn't handle those things anymore, that we would have to go through our assurance department. Well, then we, we hesitated again because, you know, you go to the, the people just, something like that is not supposed to happen, and we knew we would probably be laughed at and ridiculed. But we, we talked it over again and decided we would call the sheriff's department, and uh, Sheriff Fred Diamond told us to come on over there, that we'd talk about it. So we stayed there for several hours talking with them and them questioning us. And uh, the sheriff promised me that it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't any news media know anything about it, that he would try to get, get it to the proper authorities, if he could find out who the proper authorities was, and have it investigated. So we went home that morning, and it was morning because they had kept us there quite late, and with assurance that no, uh, it, there wouldn't be any publicity about it at all. Well, we, we went on to work that morning, uh, and by 7 or 8 o'clock, uh, there was telephones ringing, uh, you know, all over the shipyard. And I called Fred Diamond, and he said that he don't know how the story leaked out from the sheriff's department, but, uh, you know, that by that time, the whole world knew about it. You said something that 
It was like an eye ran up and down your body. Do you think it was like examining you? Um, yes, I, it was some. It, it had to be some type of examination. Well, I say had to be. It, it, it appears to me that it would be. And after talking with a lot of scientists, and uh, uh, I'm convinced that it was something that was, that was some type of examination that it, that it, it killed me. Did you communicate with these creatures, these things? No, uh, and the only sound that they made, they didn't attempt to communicate with me. The only sound that, that, that they made, one of them, and I'm not even sure it come from, from, from one of the things, but it was some kind of mumbling-like sound, a low mumbling sound from one of them. But other than that, they, they didn't try to communicate. I tried to board the craft, but uh, it, I think now, and, and I have a, a reasons to believe, many different reasons to believe, these things were robots. They weren't beings. They were being controlled by beings from somewhere else. What made you think that, sir? Well, for, for as I just mentioned, several reasons. Uh, I didn't see any movement of, of, of uh, breath in the, in the chest area. I didn't see any movement of, of breath in, the, in the, the, the slit of the mouth here. It didn't move. And when they move, they seem to move as something mechanically. They could move their arms like this and in their shoulders, but their head didn't move. And when they move, they seemed to turn as if mechanically. It appeared to me that they, they had something that they were programmed, you might say, to do something. They had something specific to do. And they just simply done it, and their attention wouldn't distract you one way or the other. Did their examination of you hurt you? No, no. The only only physical pain that I had is when, when they took hold of me there on the banks of the river. The one that took hold of my left arm, and this arm here, just instantly I felt pain, but it was gone just that quick. And then once the boy, uh, aboard the craft, at one time, I felt this, the same uh, pain in the same area again, but it was just instantly. And that's the only physical pain that I had through the entire thing. Now, approximately how long do you figure you were in the craft itself? Well, I'm not sure because I don't wear a watch. A watch won't keep time on me. And Calvin didn't have a watch. And we, uh, we've tried to go back and uh, I've tried to go back and, and try to figure the time out from the time that, that we left the area going to call it uh, Keesley Air Force Base and all. And it could have possibly been as long as, as um, well, it could have been anywhere from 30 minutes to, to an hour, and probably even longer than that. Can you give us some idea of the size of this craft that you were suspended within? Well, the craft, uh, let me explain now. The angle that I was looking toward the craft, it's hard for me to say, which I can't say, whether the craft was round like a disc or whether it was long or oblong like a cigar. Because I, the, it was, it was. Let me give you an example. Like the craft was sitting here. We're assuming that this is the front end of it. That was the end. It was tortoise. But I'm looking at it from this angle. So all I can see is what is this side, and what I'm assuming to be the front, and maybe it's a little bit of the back. So I can't be sure whether the craft was was round like a disc or was long or oblong. But it appeared to me that it was about 30 or 40 foot long, and maybe. Uh, eight or ten foot high. Just before where the opening appeared, there seemed to be two small windows up toward the front and the top. Two small windows, and directly behind the windows was the revolving or the pulsating blue light. Now you said you attempted to talk to these creatures. Could you not talk? Or could your vocal cords not work? Or? Well, uh, that's hard to explain. I know I was saying something, but 
for some strange reason, I couldn't hear myself. You know, you can hear yourself talk. But uh, I know I was either saying something or trying to say something. But I didn't hear myself talking. Now, when they brought you back outside, they deposited you on the bank where you were fishing before with your friend. That's right. Almost the exact spot. Yes. What kind of shape is he in? Um, he seemed to be, it, uh, when I seen him, he seemed to be going in shock. I've seen many men in shock in the Korean War. Um, and he seemed to be going in shock. Because it took me, it took me several minutes to even get in where I could, could talk to him to make any sense. So once the craft deposited you and Calvin back on the bank without any further ado, it just departed. It departed, that's right. It departed. Now, you said you went to the authorities. Did the Air Force at that time uh, cite any radar sightings in that area at that time? Unusual sightings? Well, I'm not sure because the Air Force won't talk about those things. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't even want to talk. Or, or, you know, they didn't want to talk with us about it. The only connection that we had, uh, you might say, with the Air Force is the next day, it uh, it dawned on me that we might have been uh, contaminated with radiation or something. So I, we were at the sheriff's department, and I asked the sheriff if we could be examined for radiation because I, I was quite worried. I'd been with my family. I'd been in contact with many people. So uh, uh, Detective Huntley that called Keith Air Force Base, and they said, yes, they would check us for radiation. So they carried us out there, and they checked us. Uh, uh, they swabbed our, our shoes, our clothing, and, and, and under our fingernails and all, and they put it, you know, in, in little tubes, and I don't know what happened to it, but they said there wasn't any uh, sign of radiation, and at that time, we asked for, you know, asked to talk with the intelligence at Keith Air Force Base, which well, that was granted to us, and we went in a conference room with a, uh, a bunch of colonels, and, uh, um, and of course, uh, the D Detective Huntley was there, and uh, we, uh, we told them what happened to us, and they seemed... Uh, are very interested, and uh, they told us that a report would follow, which never did. So the Air Force, I, I think they just, I don't know, they just uh, keep hands off and things like that. Kind of brushed it under the rug. For some strange reason, yes. Have you been examined by any psychiatrist or put under any hypnotic trance to relate your story? Yes. Uh, on, this happened on Thursday night, on Saturday morning, Dr. Alan Heineck uh, from Northwestern University and Dr. James Harder from the University of from Berkeley, uh, they came to Pascagoula, and they they questioned Calvin and me uh, in in length, and we were placed under unhypnotism with uh, a local psychiatrist uh, present, uh, along with a medical doctor present, and Dr. Heineck and Dr. Harder. Yes, we was hypnotized and questioned. What was the result of that? Um, Dr. Harder and Dr. Heineck were, were convinced that, um, that, it, that, you know, that, that it was, that it actually happened to us. And then I might add that, um, we, uh, we, we asked, uh, the sheriff that night, uh, because after we decided to tell the sheriff, certainly we wanted to, to, to prove to him that it did happen. So we asked for a lie detector test. They didn't have the facilities here in Jackson County. So later on in the... I think it was either the latter part of October or the early part of November. Uh, Calvin had had a nervous breakdown because, I think, because of this. And he was in a hospital in, in Jones County. 
Uh, I took a polygraph test uh, here in Pascoola, uh, which proved that, that I was telling the, the truth. Were you afraid during this entire thing? I certainly was, and, and uh, uh, I can explain that. Uh, normal, what I consider normal fear to be is something that, that, that you expect, you know. Just normal fear is something that, that you expect here on this earth. But this was something that uh, wasn't supposed to even exist. And it's fear that you can't even explain. And shortly afterward, for a few months, I didn't, I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't eat. I uh, was on my mind all the time. But the fear's all gone now, and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's just not as much fear as it was before. 